welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Thursday late morning, and I am joined in New York City. He's actually at home for a change. Tim Bonteps. I am at home. And uh, before we start, guys, Zora Stevenson who does a great job on Bucks TV, and uh, Mike Walchewski, the legendary Knicks PA announcer, both came up to me unprompted at the Bucks Knicks game yesterday and said how much they enjoy the pod and they always listen. Wanted me to relay that message to you guys. Three-point goal, Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> That's a terrible impression, but he is the best. That was, that was that was super cool. He came up and was like, "Pod's awesome. You guys are great. I listen every time." He even said, "I'm happy it's not three times a week. The people want more Windhorst." Yeah, you know. So what you're really learning here is that if you see Bon Temps in an arena, just come up and tell him you enjoy the pod. And they'll name check you at the start. It's <laughs> going to be great. Hey, hey, joining us from cool. his new his new wing on his palatial estate in <laughs> Dallas, Texas, is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners! For those of us, for those of you who watch uh, us on our YouTube channel, or might catch Howdy Partners, um, the McMahon the hit YouTube uh, show that comes out Tuesday evenings. And don't forget the hit part. <laughs> it is a spinoff. Uh, you've been, you've, you know, while there's been construction at the McMahon estate, we've had, we've been subjected to a blank wall. But now, McMahon in a palatial office with gor- gorgeous, would you call that hunter green uh, cabinetry? Uh, we, around these parts, we call it mean green. <laughs> <laughs> you should North probably Texas. tell people why. Uh, yeah, I don't think most people know what North Texas's uh, deal is. Pal. Well, if they don't know, that's on them. It ain't my job to educate. It's my job to entertain, Dan. It. <laughs> it's a good thing it's not your job to educate. People in trouble. <laughs> it does look great, though. Watch. I had. Watch uh, this had, move. What was that? Move. Speaking of the green, huh? Oh, the green. segue! Wow, wow. <laughs> How about those Boston Celtics? <laughs> How about them? We are rocking and rolling um, today. This is going to be a legendary pod, I think. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so this morning, Thursday morning, the Celtics uh, Woj uh, uh, reporting that the Celtics have signed Al Horford to a two-year contract extension. Al Horford, who I was questioning his contract like six years ago about whether he was a max player. Al Horford's going to get checks till he's 40 now. Two-year, $20 million extension. Um, and it's really, it's, you know, who knows when they actually uh, came to the agreement. Um, well, our old pal Chris coming- Forsberg last night or this morning was tweeting that last night after they beat the Heat, Mike Zarin, the assistant GM of the Celtics was, or I don't remember exact title. He He's on second command under Brad Stevens, was parading Al Horford around the locker room. So it seemed like this might have come to fruition yesterday or last night. Mm-hmm. By the way, speaking of the Celtics, Eddie Palladino, PA announcer of the Celtics. Another big fan and also an iconic voice. And I won't impress impersonate. I was gonna him. Say, don't don't botch your impersonation <laughs> to him. Yeah, please don't do that. Please don't I won't do, that. do it. I won't do it. I, I um, would do my impersonation. Rajon Rondo. <laughs> See, and then you did it. <laughs> and I all my these people are just going to stop Sean Heath, the Mavs, the Mavs PA guy, but I need to chug like eight Red Bulls first. 
<laughs> Probably with vodka. <laughs> oh man, you might want to take that back. Okay, um, Celtics moved to eighteen and four, put up another hundred and thirty uh, on the Miami Heat on Wednesday night, and signed Horford to an extension. Um, Horford, that trade was really. Would you say Bontemps? That was the first big move that Brad Stevens made when he came to I mean, president. It, I would say, I would say it was because it literally was the first move you made as president. <laughs> okay. He I got don't hired. I remember the timeline. He got hired. He got they or he got hired. He moved over to that job uh right after they lost the beginning of June and 2 weeks later they made the trade um to get Al Horford in exchange for Kemba Walker, gave up a first round pick, middle of the first round um to get off Kemba's money to bring Horford back. And there's a huge part of why they made the finals last year. He's he's been awesome again this year. He's shooting 48 percent from three, 55 from the field. And, you know, the initial reaction, you see that contract, right? Two years, 20 million dollars this year. Al's making 27 million dollars. So that's a you know, you're talking a two thirds pay cut, basically. So you look at it and you say, well, why would Al Horford do that? Why, you know, to go back to the summer? Why? Why would he? he, Why would he do that? (laughs) A <laughs> couple, couple reasons, right? So Al Horford, uh, after the disastrous 2018-19 season when Kyrie was with the Celtics, season went completely off the rails, team blows up. Al Horford gets a huge deal, goes to play for the Sixers, leaves it free agency. Has a disastrous season there, gets shipped out in Daryl Morey's first move, basically after taking over to Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. to purgatory for a year. One season in his career, he misses the playoffs. Well, to purgatory toy for half a year, then the second half of the year, you that, got to go chill on a beach. That's right. Then he went and sat at home as they as they <laughs> didn't have him play. I think he I think he actually stayed with the team for the record. Okay. Well, either don't, way, don't don't, don't screw way. my jokes up with facts. Go on. Either way, I don't he, need a uh, what's the area code for Oklahoma City 405. I don't need 405, 405 phone calls. The only 405 phone calls I get are from the pink parrot, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get one now yeah. anyway, but he gets traded back to the South. Those are from the moment. That's right. From the moment he got back to Boston last year, he has had a permanent smile on his face. He's been so, so happy to be back with the Celtics. He's got great relationships with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. He was with all those guys at the beginning of their careers. Um, helped turn that Celtics team into the team that went to a couple of conference finals before he left and has been a seamless fit with this team. Now, the past couple of years, helped them get to the finals last year was a huge part of that run, has really helped anchor them this year with Robert Williams out. He's now practicing five on five. He should be back soon. And to me, like, look, maybe Al Horford could have got 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year as a free agent next summer. Right. Mitchell Robinson got around 15. Wendell Carter got around 15. It's kind of like average starter money for a center now. So maybe he could have got a few million dollars more somewhere else. But this very clearly to me was Al Horford saying, I want to be on the Celtics team. I want to be part of this group. He he really wants to win a championship. It's the one thing in his career he hasn't done. Last year was the first. He finally got to the finals for the first time. And, you know, this is him saying, I can lock in at this number, stay with the Celtics for the rest of my career. They obviously love having him back. And now you look at the Celtics. Jalen Brown could potentially get an extension this summer. Grant Williams is up as a restricted free agent this summer. Their top seven or eight guys other than that are all signed under contract for the next several years. They are, they have this group locked in going forward and they're already the best team in the league 
with an incredible offense with Robert Williams on the way back. So I think this is a really good day um, if you're a Celtics fan to get to get Al Horford locked up. And I think it makes a lot of sense for everybody that he chose to do so. I don't think there's yeah, any also, question it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, and and you you talk about the money. He took a little bit of a discount, but by the end of this contract, he's going to have made about $290 million. That's right. In his NBA career. So uh, him prioritizing happiness and a chance to uh, to win a championship certainly makes sense. No question. So one of the reasons that the Thunder shut Horford down a couple of years ago with a press release, the reason I think it got more attention than anything was because the Thunder put out a press release saying mm-hmm. Al Horford and the, the team agree we're going to shut him down. That's not something that normally happens because there were because there was worries about his health, particularly his knee. He's been protecting his knee among other things earlier in his career. He had some uh, these pectoral muscle issues. I think he tore both pecs or the same pec twice or something. But um, he's been protecting his knee for, for several years now, and he's healthy. He guys, he's averaging 31 minutes a game. Well, and the That's Celtics the also have been smart and have held him out of one half of every back to back so far this and year. And will forever. For it's, sure. It, you know, probably. So he's probably played his last back to back. Which he should. So they're protect- yeah, but but it's working. He's feeling good. He's shooting yep. the ball great. And he they've got his minutes up to 31 in change. That's the highest it's been in five years. He has by the way, minutes in five years. Once Robert Williams comes back, that will inevitably come down as it should too for the rest of the right. regular season until they get to the playoffs and then they have to ramp them back up again. Right. So really what this is, is they're extending his contract to make sure he's with the team next year. And two years from now at age 39, who knows where he's going to be? And maybe he's used as part of a trade. Um, he actually, um, you know, probably recognizes that you take a deal like this, you open yourself up to maybe being traded, but at that point, you know, it, it may be near the end, but you know, maybe, a, but it's I, a, it's a, it's a sh- maybe I don't think so though. Honestly, like Brad it's Stevens, a, a warm Brad Stevens, your front office in Boston. It's not Danny Ainge. Well, it's not only <laughs> that, but I, Brad, Brad Al Horford might be Brad Stevens, favorite player ever. Like from the moment he signed with the Celtics, like he's everything about what Brad Stevens values. And I, I don't, it's not a coincidence that he was the first guy Brad went and got when um, that was, you know, in that was it, the fact he went and made that trade. I think it says a lot about the things that Brad values. And I, I would be very surprised again, like barring some kind of injury. I, I But I think he'll be there and playing. And, and look, the other thing, too, is you guys have both been around Al a long time. Like I have. He is in unbelievable shape. Like I know his knee is is a little wonky as a lot of guys that old are, but like he's he's um he's dropped his he's dropped weight in his last few years. I I would guess he's a little bit lighter than he was when he was with the Hawks. Yeah, for year. sure. And now like he's he's a guy like if I was going to bet on a guy to be able to be you know sort of like Tim Duncan, right? Like even mm-hmm. as he got into the later part of his career, he was so smart. He knew how to work angles on the court. Like I think you can. I don't think I'm not sure Al's going to be quite as good as he is this year in two years, but I still think he'll be a solid rotation level player, which is at $10 million a year is exactly more than good enough. Well, the thing is, so, you know, they, they have some medium term contract uncertainty on their roster, but most of their roster is locked down and this settles anything there. And, um, you know, the, 
Horford last year in the playoffs had a couple of absolutely brilliant games. And he had some games where he expended all of his energy on the defensive end and didn't have much to give offensively. Um, you know, but you know, if he's your fifth or sixth best player, which he frankly is on this roster mm-hmm. when they're fully healthy, maybe even their I mean, their seventh best player. It's a good guy to have. It's reminded me a lot of the way the Spurs came back in 2013, yeah. 14 after they lost to the heat. Now, obviously that was a much more dramatic ending. That was a team that had won championships before that had been to the top before that kind of knew what it took to get there. But it's been interesting, even amid all the stuff with Ime, everything that's gone on, that was, that's been the consistent message from those guys over and over and over again. We do not want to feel like that again. And they have played like it from day one. And they, they have been an absolute juggernaut. And that's with Robert Williams not out there. Like they've had a middling defense. And mm-hmm. once they get the arguably the best defensive player in the league back or one of them, they're probably going to be back to being a top five defense again to go with an offense that's like four and a half points better than everybody in the league. Uh, an I mean, offense that's crazy. the best in NBA history. They're averaging 121.5 points per 100 possessions. It is historically dominant offense. And then, like you said, getting Robert Williams back, Marcus Smart was defense player of the year. I think what we've seen so far this season tells us that he was actually not the best defensive player on his own team. The Celtics right now rank 20th in defense. But one of the great things about Al Horford is he can play the five when you don't have Robert Williams. When you do have Robert Williams, those two guys can play together. Um, and when those two guys are on the floor together, <laughs> you cannot score. 99.9 yep. was the defensive rating with those two guys on the floor together last year. And then Horford at the four, you know, he's not a great three-point shooter, but you you have to guard him. You know, he you he spaces the floor. He's good enough to where you have to guard. And then he's such a good distributor. He he just knows how to play off of everybody else. And so, you know, to get him at 10 mil a year going forward, uh, and like you said, it's not like his game is based on uh, prime Sean Kemp type of athleticism. I think he's going to age well. If he ages well and he's a 20-minute-per-game player, that's still a bargain at that price. And by the way, okay, just so- to highlight how good, real quick, Brian, just to highlight how good Boston's offense is, they are they have, as Tim said, 121.5 offensive rating so far this season. Boston, Phoenix is second. 116.5. It's a five-point gap to second place. That is the same gap from Phoenix in second place to the Sixers in 16th place oh. in terms of offensive it's rating. Sec- it's a secretariat race at this point. It really so, is. It's insane. Let me tell you. So last year, Jason Tatum had the best year of his career and uh, made all NBA, which is why he got a super max extension. And um, he... Uh, or he, or he, qual- he qualified. He qualified. No, he did. He, he didn't Rose. make. He, he did not. He did not. Because the year before, he, did, he just missed That's the right. cut. Did, okay, I had it crossed my head. Anyway, he did make All NBA last year. He had an All NBA mm-hmm. season last year. All NBA first year team. before it was All NBA first team, and it was controversial that he missed All NBA. Sorry, I crossed my wise head. Anyway, my point is, last November, all right, Jason Tatum shot thirty. Nine percent from the field in November and averaged 23 points. If you combine his October and November from last year, he averaged about 24 and a half points a game and shot 39 percent. His numbers now 49 percent from the field and 30 almost 32 points a game. So he's averaging about 10 percent better shooting and about 10 more points a game, give or take. A little mm-hmm. bit. 
Well, so by, and also coming to, coming off of a season where he was first team All NBA. Well, the, I just went and looked up the date of it because I, I I wrote a story last year about how unlucky Tatum was shooting jumpers, and he was seven points lower than what his effective field goal percentage was supposed to be at the time I wrote it. They wrote that story was January 22nd last year after they lost at home to the Blazers. That was the, they were, that put them one game below 500. And that was literally the game before he went to Washington, scored like 52 points. They won by 40 against the Wizards. And then they went on to win like 98% of their games the rest of the season. Okay. This is bull crap. Bontemps is trying to take credit for Jason. No, 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 no. The Celtics really took off when you, when you left town. No, that's not. Just for the record. (laughs) That is true. The reason the Celtics are this juggernaut (laughs) is because they shipped your ass off to New York. Well, what's happening in New York? The Knicks are as mediocre as could be, and the Nets are a complete circus fire. I mean, because you're there. Okay. <laughs> Boston basketball is back because they got rid of Bontemps. I mean, listen, my point, my point is only that it was it's not that long ago that people, to your point, Brian, were saying, What's going on with Tatum? Why can't he make a jump shot? And like it's crazy how much things have shifted the other way. Where now there's like six guys on the Celtics shooting over 45% from three this year. And they're just lighting so listen, up everybody every night. Listen to these league ranks. Okay. Number one in the league in field goal percentage as a team. Okay. They're shooting 50% as a team. I mean, that's not going to last. If it does, it's unbelievable. They are shooting 49.8% as a team. That's incredible. Averaging 50%. Number one in the league in three point percentage at 41%. Number, um, number two in the league in two point percentage. So good luck, um, uh, you know, you know, getting, getting them to take a bad shot. And by the way, they're second league in three point attempts. Cause I remember like back in those years with the Spurs where pop didn't like the high volume three point uh, shooting. So they, the Spurs like several years in a row were like number one in the league in three point percentage, but like 30th in attempts. Yeah, they and they reason that they, Right. So not only are the are the Celtics a little more than two for three, but not only the Celtics, the number one three point shooting shooting percentage, they're taking the second most number of attempts. So yeah, that's why it's bonkers. They're shooting so great. They're they're taking right. more threes than everybody and making more than everybody. Like it's it's insane how good they've been. Right. And we talked about this. We talked on, on the pod a few weeks ago. They're number one at the line in the league. They're the best free throw shooting team in the league they're just the best shooting team and they do it extremely efficiently so um and they're six in assists because we know that last year we sometimes saw tatum and jalen brown get a little iso heavy and Mm -hmm. honestly when they have unassisted baskets this year a lot of times it's because they're in transition because they get a stop and they go full bore in transition and there's yeah. no assist because they get a fast break points. Well, just so listen to these team... percent. No, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to read off the percentages. Malcolm Brogdon, three, 3.9 attempts per game, 49% from three. Al Horford, four and a half attempts a game, 49% from three. Sam Hauser, four and a half attempts a game, 48% from three. Derek White, four attempts a game, 45% from three. Grant Williams, just under four attempts to three, 44% from three. Like that is, that is insane for all of these guys to all be shooting that well, like, and they are, it's and just they are insane arguably stuff. missing their, you want to say their 
you can't really say they're third best player, but God, he's he's awfully they're, good. They're, they're right. missing I one of the best starting centers in the NBA. You could argue and, they're missing yeah. their third best player. Like he he is I don't want to I mean, get it on Marcus Smart's bad side this early in well, the listen, season. Listen, I mean Al Horton Marcus Smart. Robert Williams gives them WG. a vertical he gives them a vertical presence at the rim offensively. They don't have otherwise. He's maybe the best shot blocker in the league. Like mm-hmm. whether he's their third best player or their fifth best player or whatever, like a, a they're a critically important player to their team yeah. hasn't played a second and they're 18 and four and they're dominating the league. Like, yeah. and look, the Brogdon trade, the Brogdon trade has really helped because you talked about, they got a little, they tended to get a little sticky sometimes uh, last season offensively and Brogdon gives them, you know, coming off the bench uh, gives them more of a pure point guard type of feel, a guy who can, who can create, who can shoot it, who can play on the ball, who can play off the ball. And that, that's one of those trades where it's working out great for both teams. The Celtics got a ready to be a major contributor on a on a contender. The Pacers, uh, you know, moved a guy who was just going to be kind of a, a progress stopper for maybe the best young backcourt in the league. You see what Halliburton's doing. You see what Matherin's doing. Um, <laughs> Buddy Heald might be gone soon. Um, and you know, they'll get the last pick in the, in the, in the draft, but that was more about moving Brogdon, moving the money and and creating opportunity for young guys. And for the Celtics, you give up the last pick in the draft, um, bunch of guys who we don't know for sure, but definitely a late pick, a late, um, yeah, yeah. 29th or 30th pick. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, if it's not the last pick, it's going to be pretty close to it. Um, and you know, Brogdon might be, and knock on wood that he stays healthy, which has obviously been an issue for him. He might be the piece that kind of pushes them over the top. By the way, Danilo Gallinari, who they signed and now lost for the year with an ACL. He, he has shot over 40% on threes in four of the last five seasons on, I'm doing the, the, you know, quick math here on like six threes attempts a game. He would have been another killer shooter that they well, were. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna tell you though, we've talked about this before. I think it actually worked out better. I'm obviously not wishing you on him. Sam Hauser playing, I think, is a win for the Celtics. I think he's a better player right now than Danilo Gallinari is. I think he'd be better. He's better on defense. Obviously, he's not great on defense, but he can hold up, I think, better. And that guy is a lights out shooter. Like you can see whenever he starts hitting a couple shots, the Celtics immediately start looking for him. He's come off the bench. He's a flamethrower coming in and making shots for them. I think that that's been a, a low-key um, success for them this year to have. And a, a, again, another guy that signed for three years, I think at like $6 million, like is going to be a low-cost, high-value player for them going forward. Like their their books are in good shape. It, I mean, they're just in, they're, they're in position to have a run here where they could be a pretty special team if, over these next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do we have trivia, Bon Temps? Ooh, I don't have trivia. Oh my God. This is, <laughs> you're terrible at your job, Bon Temps. I'm embarrassed for you. I'm actually relieved because I had trivia stripped away from me <laughs> because I was fumbling the ball so much. And so, okay. I'm I, 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 I went straight to stats and info, straight to stats and info. And I'll just go with the first thing that I see. I'm taking go. over trivia okay. here. College football's final rankings are announced this Sunday, along with the bowl announcements for the teams that did make the playoffs. And ESPN's College Game Day podcast with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel, along with Always College Football with Greg McElroy, have you covered. 
follow and listen where you're listening to this podcast. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. Kevin Durant is averaging. Kevin Durant, who the Celtics sniffed around on in the trade market. And, oh, was Jalen Brown on the table? Hmm. Anyways. Uh, Kevin Durant averaging 30.4 points on 55% shooting. Uh, Only three players in NBA history have averaged 30 points on 55% or better shooting in a season. They are... Will Chamberlain. No. (laughs) Which, hmm, I question that. I'm just going with what they have here. Let me ask you this uh, real quick as a quick aside. Would you trade Jalen Brown for, no. for Kevin Durant? No. Me either. Okay. Like, this is the, this is this is since 61-62. So this is the post-wilt era. Post-wilt era. I had to scroll up okay. to get the 61-62. Okay. Jack. Real quick. Real quick. Jack never averaged 30. Sorry. Real quick. Just I'm sorry. Think about all the Durant's having an awesome year as this as this trivia question is establishing. And he just had another uh, awesome game. What do you have? 45? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um 39, but who's counting? Okay, 35. Think about all the players who were rumored to be the centerpiece of Durant trades last summer. So Scotty Barnes. Would you mm-hmm. trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant right now? I mean, the Raptors, I don't think would. Uh, but what about you? Would you trade it for him? I still would think about that one. I just think it, it potentially could make the Raptors a contender this year. I don't think it's yeah. an automatic yes or no. I think it's a discussion. I don't think it's an I automatic think it's a no yes for the no. Raptors. All right. Brandon Ingram. I would have done that one. I would have. I would do th- I would probably do that if I were them too. And I like Ingram a lot, but I, I would have done that one. I don't know if I would. I said last week. I probably I said last week to CJ. I don't think I would. And I Tatum, I, I wouldn't. Kinda, oh God, Tatum's untouchable. I'm sorry. Not I don't Tatum. think I, uh, I would. Jalen Brown. I'm sorry, Jalen Brown. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. By the way, I wouldn't trade Jason Tatum for anybody in the league. 
I wouldn't yeah. trade him for Luca. I agree. He's 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 I, well, let me take that MVP back. Right I, I might trade him for Giannis. I was gonna I say there's Giannis. at least one okay. player he should let me take a step for. back. Let me take a but step back. But that that right. trade ain't happening anyway. All right, we got off track. Okay. The question is but uh McMahon, give it to us again. Okay, 30 points shooting. and 55 plus percent shooting since Wilt. My two guesses would have been Shaq and Kareem. So I okay, you got Kareem. I can't really think of anybody else who would have scored they, they gotta over be, 30. They got to be big men because uh, you know, uh, these uh, two, these two, I'll give you a hint. They were both forwards. Uh, one is a postal office worker. One is a crosswalk uh, dude. Oh, well, Carl Malone's obviously one of them. Mm-hmm. Crosswalk dude. I mean, I would call Carl Malone a big man. So he was oh, a power forward, bro. What? what? <laughs> Eric, he was Jesus playing next to freaking Greg Ostertag <laughs> and Marky. He wasn't shooting three pointers. Yeah, he. We're agreeing okay, with you. The, the other guy. That's a big guy. The other guy is one of the best six foot six and under post up players in NBA history. Oh, Adrian Dantley. Michael. Adrian Dantley. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I didn't realize he scored. I mean, I knew he was a big scorer. I didn't realize he scored thirty in a season. Dude, look at some of the numbers that Dantley put up. I, I, I without looking, I'm going to guess that that was with the uh, with the Jazz. But <laughs> some of the numbers Dantley put up earlier in his career are pretty ridiculous. And yeah, a no super question. underrated player. And let me just tell you, him. me on three and a half seconds of prep gives you better trivia than <laughs> Bond Temps with three and a half days to get ready. So he's he's not as good a player as he's not good as good of a player as Bob Pettit was. No, Bob Pettit. Bob Pettit. <laughs> Listen. I just triggered don't, you. Don't have don't have, don't don't get McMahon in trouble again. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Let him bask uh, in the success of going to SIG. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I use Slack for. <laughs> SIG SIG is what we call our stats and information group. SIG. Um, I've, I've argued that, uh, you know, we need new revenue streams at ESPN to pay for the NBA uh, deal that's coming. I think we should sell access to our SIG channels, especially. You've also suggested selling access to our, uh, podcast group chat that might result in. No, no, I want to keep my job. I want to keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, we talked earlier this week about the Pacers. Uh, I didn't give you guys a chance to talk about them. But um, because I was praising Tyrese Halliburton, I didn't want the uh, I didn't want the heat from uh, <laughs> I would get by praising Tyrese Halliburton here. Um, no, he's on a pace. It's not the heat. I didn't want the heat because you guys because I've talked about this bonus trade so much with you guys. Um, but uh, so I wanted to looking at Halliburton. We, it's, we're an interesting moment here looking at these guys who are in their third years in the league, mm-hmm. um, the guys who are going to have their contract decisions coming up in the offseason. Historically, obviously, there's lots of exceptions, but historically, um, guys in their third year is where they oftentimes take a leap, um, sort of establish themselves. Um, and this is the 20, this is basically the guys from the 2020 draft, which I'll always remember to a certain extent, because that was a draft where everybody was sitting in their living rooms at home with their families. It was a remote draft. And I actually thought it was really cool. And uh, I remember Malika, Malika was in like this big giant 
a green screened room in, in Bristol where she was like doing these interviews with them. Um, I thought it was, uh, that was a, I'm gl- I, obviously I'm glad that where the world's back to normal, but I, I enjoyed watching that draft a lot, seeing them with their families, uh, getting those uh, experiences of getting picked. Um, so this is a draft where uh, Anthony Edwards went number one to mm-hmm. the Wolves. So I thought we, now that we're sort of into the third years of these guys, I thought we would take a look back at this draft. I don't want to do like a redraft. I know we do that sometimes, but I kind of wanted to take a look back and um, just see where these guys are. And there's, this is a draft that's already shaping up to have been a pretty pivotal one for some of these teams. So uh, bond temps, uh, you know, the top five picks are fascinating. Uh, yes you you're a you big the top Anthony 10 Edwards. picks are fascinating well we'll start with the top five <laughs> um you're a big Ant edwards fan he had a, a big game the wolves won without uh carl towns uh first game without towns uh wednesday night he had a big game um he obviously looks like he's going to be a, a stud player um there's no uh real regrets there right with the wolves at one but the big, big moment with the Warriors taking James Wiseman at two with LaMelo Ball on the board. Um, Forget LaMelo Ball. They, they didn't take Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton's the best player in this draft. And Ooh, that's a hot opinion. Well, look, Anthony Edwards is, I think, probably going to be a very good player. But mm-hmm. it, you can't You're look at You're backing off. You, you no, were ready to declare let, Anthony Edwards the star of this draft two well, months ago. Well, listen, I thought coming off last year, he had a chance to really ascend. And I I think you have to look at the way this season has gone for Minnesota and have real questions about everybody involved. Like this has been a disaster. I mean, McMahon has talked a bunch about how the way he showed up and I'm not, it doesn't, I'm not dooming him to failure by any means, but you look at the way he has approached this season and to McMahon's point here about Malcolm Brogdon to the way Tyrus Halberton has approached the season when he's been handed the keys to this franchise yeah, and the way they both performed, it to me it says a lot about where Tyrese is at. And you you can go up and down through this draft and just look at where all these various teams would be if they had drafted him. And Golden State in particular, I mean, this James Wiseman swing and miss is one of the is one of the bigger mistakes in the history of the draft. When you look at the implications of what that means for that team, like well, it's it's they along won the, the championship. Line. Yes, <laughs> won the they championship did. last year. Yes, they did. Just like the just like the the Pistons won after they drafted Darko over Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and all those mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. And you there, look at there, what could there, there's a lot of similarities there for sure. A lot of similarities there. And you look at what could have been like, imagine if you just put Tyrese Halliburton, forget any of these guys, but especially you put Tyrese Halliburton on the Warriors right now. Well, but, and, and I will say this. In, in defense of the Warriors, you know, obviously LaMelo is the one who they got a lot of criticism uh, for not taking rookie of the year and, yep. you know, all that kind of stuff. Halliburton went 12. I mean, oh, there's a lot of teams that missed. No, there's a lot of teams. Well, could you I imagine mean, with all due respect, I, I don't think I don't say anybody, but I think very few people would have had Halliburton at one or two on their board. I know well, there, there were, were people that did. There were, there, there were, there was talk at the going up to the draft about whether the Warriors should look at Halliburton for that pick because he was a guy who was going to walk in and be ready to play and could do, could fit well in Golden State's offense. And from basically the 
where Cleveland picked fifth on every pick was, are these guys going to take Tyrese Albert for like nine picks? Well, and I, I know at least one team, the Mavericks were trying like hell to trade up for him. They were dangling Brunson yep. 18 and 31. Yeah. They uh, talked to, to the everybody. Knicks about that. Well, yeah, yep. they talked to the Knicks about it and, <laughs> and the Knicks like topping so much that uh, they, and it's one of those things, both teams would be so much better off the Mavericks with Halliburton, obviously having lost Brunson for nothing. The Knicks would have Brunson for half the price because they would have gotten him on the extension. But, you know, I, Halliburton, you, there's an argument for him being the best player in this draft. I think there are, I think this summer there will be five guys who get max extensions in this draft or, or very close to, right? Hmm. I think we're talking about Edwards, LaMelo, Halliburton, Bain, and then I, Maxi might be close to, you know, he, I think he's going to get like Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero type of money. So, so pretty close to it. Um, I think there's five max or near max extensions here. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. That's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting discussion point, but I want to focus on Wiseman right now. Oof. Um, you're, you're, you're just in a bad mood. Wiseman, who <laughs> I want to tell you exactly what exactly the G League. Okay, go ahead. So, um, so he has played five games according to the stats I'm looking at. He's averaging mm-hmm. 26 minutes a game. Um, which you know, typically when you know one of the roster guys comes down, he gets very featured in the offense. They sort of tear the offense apart to do that. Um, and uh, so he's averaging 15 points on 58% shooting, he's um averaging just under 10 rebounds, um, two turnovers, uh, and a, a 1.2 blocks. Okay. Numbers, but not what you're looking for, for a guy like that to come down. The idea was to have him go down and, and destroy. And that's not really been happening. He's been okay. No, he's been bad. He's also in, in, in five games, they're minus 35 with him on the floor. Net rating, he's a not minus nine point three. He's he's an offensive like the guy can obviously finish, but he is an offensive clog. He's a he's a just like dude. Their offensive rating one hundred one point one. The freaking Warriors couldn't score with this guy on the floor. Like if I mean, you're a just, if you're a player he doesn't know how to play. If you're a player of that of of that caliber in theory, and you go down to the G League and you are not dominating. That's a real problem. You're not supposed to go down to the G League and be middling. Like you're supposed to go down there and be the best player on the court. He has yeah, not been it, the best player on the court. And as our guy Jackson said, I, I, I'm going to botch the pronunciation of this name. Help me with the Kings second round pick. Name is Keita. Uh, that guy <laughs> put up 38 and 18 against Wiseman. Like, dude, he just, he, he right now is a, Obviously, the guy is a, a physical specimen, tremendously athletic. You know, like he looks like an NBA big man, moves like an NBA big man. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like he he is a total project, and he needs to spend probably the full season in the G League, and then we'll see what happens. Well, just I to mean, compare we'll that Nemus, it. Uh, Keto is he's a second year player. Was he a second round pick, Bontemps? Second round. Yeah, Wiseman's a third year player. Right. I know. I'm just comparing because it's interesting because he plays for Stockton. He's averaging 20 points a game 
in, in the G league, he's shooting 73% from the field, uh, yeah. averaging two and a half blocks a game, a steal a game. Like that's a guy who he's like, dominating. Yes. That's that's I, what James Wiseman was supposed to go down there and do was dominate. And get some I confidence. always call, I used to call it the JJ Brea D league test. Because Barea, early in his career, went down to the old Fort Worth Flyers. They, he played in two games. He scored 40 and 35. It's like, okay, this guy's a, a he, there's an NBA player there. When NBA players go down to the G League, if they don't dominate, there is reason for concern. He it's is almost like I just said that. No stretch of the imagination <laughs> is he dominating. I'm reiterating. Well, okay, so I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Look, Plus this is my I've opinion, said, seriously. <laughs> I've said this in the past. His skill set is extremely impressive. And I can see, like, you know, you compare him to kind of Darko a minute ago, Bontemps. You remember the famous workout that Darko had with in front of the Pistons in the, the Pistons were yeah, in New York yeah. during the Eastern Conference Finals when they were playing the New Jersey Nets 2003 and they had their shoot around and it was sort of arranged that Darko was there and like Joe Dumars came over and watched and um, um, to, uh, why am I having a brain fart? The guy who was with the Pist- uh, the Celtics, oh God, the Mavericks for a hundred years, the European scout. Um, Tony Ronzoni. Tony Ronzoni, he's there. And Darko has this workout, you know, one on zero workout where he looks absolutely out of his mind. The Pistons are falling all over themselves and that night win the lottery. And they're like, well, we're taking this Darko guy or not win. They finished second. Um, but it was all, you know, it was, you know, like a win for them because um, had Memphis won the, the lottery, they wouldn't have got the number one pick. So the best thing they could have ever dreamed of was getting the number two pick. The tip pick was top one protected. So they're like, oh my God, we're, we're going to take Darko. Wiseman had this workout in front of the Golden State crew, but he didn't have any game film because he never played at Memphis, basically. And he has this workout. I think it was in Miami and they already liked him. And I think Lacob was there and Lacob loved what he saw. And like they fell in love with him at this workout. And like Minnesota was trying to get them to move around the draft like Minnesota was trying to. Minnesota was being cagey and trying to get, um, uh, you know, trying to get um, the Golden State to tr- to trade back up into the into the number one spot, and they were they were like, no, we love Wise, we're going to take him second, and it's the same type of situation that's playing out. And I can see because his physical skills are breathtaking, but he's just not he's not executed. I don't know what to say. It's 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 a while, well, and he's got injury issues. I mean, what to say is he's been a disastrous draft pick and they have a choice to make in the next two months, which is, are they going to turn him into a player that can help them win a championship this year? Or are they going to continue to put good money after bad and keep him on their roster and have him be a black hole in the roster that is not going to help them at all this year. That's the choice they have. Well, and, but you say it's the choice they have. You assume that they can turn him into a player. I, 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 look, I mean, like, dude, it's uh, other NBA teams, Trust me, they actually watch these G League games. I know, but I like they're well aware of all the issues here. I, I at the same, I'm not talking about turning him into a star. 
Kelly Olynyk was the one that who, who you brought up, who I thought was an interesting, yes. uh, pure hypothetical to be clear, yes. but an interesting, yes. like, hey, would that be worth it on the Jazz end to take a flyer? Uh, certainly, it would make sense for the Warriors, but do they want to sell yeah. low on a? If you're, Kelly Olynyk would be really good on the Warriors. I'd be incredible. Absent. <laughs> It'd be it's incredible. A- but look, it, again, it's like, do the, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Is do you take James Wiseman, go to these bad teams, go to San Antonio, go to Utah. I mean, Utah's obviously played well, but a team that's not interested yeah. in like trying to contend right now. Do you go to those teams and say, look, here's a free flyer on James Wiseman. Play him, see if he turns into something. Give us a player or two for our bench, good, solid depth players to help us with our bench now. And we'll give you a guy with, I mean, we all agree he's got a ton of physical tools. He has, he could potentially turn into a player. What we also all agree on is he ain't going to turn into a player in the next two months. Yeah. And so like, I, to me, if I'm Golden State, I have to trade this guy. I just have to, because they keep him on the roster the rest of the year. He ain't going to help him at all. And I, this team is not good enough to beat. Like we just spent the first half of the pod talking about the Celtics. I saw the Bucks last night. Those two teams are far and away the best teams in the league. And if, if Golden State wants to compete with those teams, they have to improve their bench. They can't go into the playoffs with this bench and this team and think they're going to beat Boston again. Or if they play Milwaukee, they're going to beat them. They just, they're not going to have a shot. So that's the choice they got to make. It's like, they're going to try to be light years ahead or are they going to try to win right now? Like, because if they try to be light years ahead, I, I just do not see them. Doing it. I think when you got Steph playing like this, you have to go for it now. Mm-hmm. You can't be you know what else screwing around thinking he's going to be good three years from now. You know what else is interesting about the Warriors? Anthony Lamb has become a rotation player for them. On a two-way. And they're going to have to probably deal with that at some point. Mm-hmm. And when you're as deep into the luxury tax and repeater tax as they are, like you can't just... Um, you can't know, just dump a no, player. Say no, it's no big. It's, you can't just say it's that. It's no big deal. We'll just move. Like they have to. They're gonna have to start thinking about roster management, um, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Anyway. Uh, okay. So Lamelo Ball went third. This season has been a total wreck. Lamelo mm-hmm. has sprained his ankle badly twice. I, you know, I don't think we have much doubts about him. It was a great pick by the Hornets. Um, we'll see where his career goes because the. Hornets are not in a good position, and I don't think are. I think they really, really need to get lucky in this draft and get picks one or two. Yeah. Um, because I don't like the direction that they're heading. I mean, I and think the question about Lamelo is, can he be the best player on a good team? And he hadn't had a chance to. We haven't had a chance to find out yet. He's super talented. And he's a way better shooter than I and other people thought mm-hmm. he was going to be. And um, I don't think there's much to say there. Okay, Bulls. Drafted Patrick Williams fourth. This has been rough. He he basically yeah. missed almost like he missed like 80% of his set of his second year because of injury. This year he's come in. They've they've, you know, he was a starter as a rookie, but their team wasn't very good. They invested a lot in him in being a starter this year, and he has just been mm-hmm. a very average player. He's at, mm-hmm. you know, he's averaging nine points. He's shooting 45% from the field. And there are plenty of times where he does not play the key minutes down the stretch of the game. He's only averaging 25 minutes a game, which is low for a starter. Uh, Billy Donovan at times just hasn't shown a whole lot of trust in him. And look, when Arturis Konishevis drafted him, 
at four, he picked over some guys because he thought that this guy could have been the kind of two-way wing with size, combo forward with size, that could be like a difference-making player. Um, you know, same sort of physical makeup as a Kawhi Leonard. Um, that's what they were attracted to. And Bontemps, it has not happened. And He's contributed more than Kawhi has this year. What are you talking about? That's true. Yeah, it's true. Kawhi last night misses 108th out of his last 113 Clipper games. Um, Patrick Williams has been a disappointment in Chicago. There's no other way to put mm-hmm. it. He's a fine player, but he's not special. And they were, they thought they had a special player here. Yeah. I wouldn't, I'm not even sure I'd say he's a fine player at this point. He's been a, a below average player really to this point in his career when he's been on the court. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not much of a debate really. I mean, you know, it just hasn't, he hasn't been what they needed him to be and really hasn't been close to it. And you look at where their roster was at. This was the one, this was the one swing piece they had to really take a leap forward with the group they put together. And it does not look like it's panning out that way. Now Halliburton was a guy that could have gone here. I'm not so sure that Halliburton was ever going one or two, but Halliburton could have gone here. Yeah. From Um, here to where he got picked, you could, he was in play at every pick. It wasn't, this isn't one of those things where like, People, you know, it's not like Desmond Bain, who was, right. you know, somewhere in the back half of the first round. It's like, oh, why didn't he get taken fifth? Like, no, or he wasn't going to Right. Those guys were not looked at as lottery picks. Tyrese Halberton, literally every pick in that draft was, mm-hmm. when is this guy going to go from four, at minimum five to Cleveland until 12? And it was, that would, they kept showing him on TV. Is this going to be the pick he goes? No. All right. What about this one? What about this one? What about this one? And he would have looked good in all those places. And of course, the team that did draft them ended up trading, them, <laughs> uh, which we'll get yep. to that. Um, so uh, Isaac Okoro goes fifth. It's been a rough season for Isaac Okoro in Cleveland. Um, they are so badly need some production from the wing on that roster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one and, hole on that roster. Yeah. And He's having a terrible year. He's having a terrible year. He, he, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. Like I actually was in Cleveland last week, as you know, and he got a wide open look in the, in the corner and just like, I think dented the rim. And then it, whether it was the next possession, a couple possessions later, he f- wide open the corner, he fumbles it out of bounds. And you could just see, it was like, if he, he was thinking, Oh God, if I, when I catch the thing, I have to shoot it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's painful to watch him offensively. He's shooting 20% from three point range as a win. And here's the thing. He shot 35% on threes last year and he was, he is steadily, his confidence has steadily eroded during his career offensively. And so he, he's shooting worse. He's being more hesitant and what's happening is teams are just not even guarding him. Right. Uh, he's basically Andre Roberson at this point. Yeah. But even if he thing. makes, even if he makes one, nobody cares if he makes it because they don't expect him to make another one. I agree. But Roberson was a more impactful defender because at least on the Cavs, what the Cavs really need is, a you know, okay. If you're not going to get it done offensively, Defensively, they need somebody to be physical on the perimeter, and he's just not big enough. He's six five, and he would be, you know, every like anybody who's six five in the NBA, you wish he was six eight. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So against Toronto the other night, Cleveland played against Toronto and uh, Nick Nurse, who's known for, you know, having inventive defensive schemes, basically was playing almost like a playoff defense on the Cavs and put a Coro's man in the way of Donovan Mitchell. Um, and what did Donovan do in the game? Drive. He shot he shot three for 11 and was a non-factor. Yeah, he, had eight, mm-hmm. he had eight points. Now it was the third night, third game in four nights. Could have contributed to it, but you know, all right. But so it's anyway, just the point that you can't, you can't, you, you, it doesn't matter that he's on the court. That's a disastrous right. pick. It was a disastrous thing all for right. them to pick up his option for next year. Frankly, I don't know about that. You've said that to me privately. He didn't have the worst year last year, but this year he's been awful. He's been awful. I don't know what to say. And they've had to start him and play him a little bit. The other day when they played against Toronto because of other injuries that they had, he started off the game defending. Well, Scotty Barnes didn't start, but Scotty Barnes came in the game. Or no, he started off the game defending Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a he's a he's a decent de- de- defender, but he can't defend Pascal Siakam. We so, just set a, uh, an NBA podcast record for time spent on Isaac. Too much time. Cool. We, just, we talked about Isaac. All much right, time. number six, Okanga Kwangu. Number six, Okanga Kwangu. Um, I mean, that's it's just the worst, worst pronunciation of his name of all time. <laughs> okay. Oh, neck. Get... <laughs> Sorry. Big O. Big O. Just say that. Yeah, good anyway. player. Going to be a good player. Would rather have Tyrese Halliburton. We can move on. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, yeah that's just I, that. I think that's fair. And, you know, when you have Capella on the roster, obviously his role is going to be limited. Uh, yeah, he's know. good. He's a good player. He's yeah. good. He's not Tyrese Albert. We can move on. We can make that a nice and short and sweet discussion. There you go. We get to the we can get to the real disasters coming up here. <laughs> All right, Killian Hayes went seventh to the Pistons. Woof. Absolute disaster. Woof woof. Might not be a backup. Terrible player. Same God. position. Bontemps, you're just so harsh, man. I mean, it's this is just the truth. He's he's been terrible. <laughs> The next two drafts, they drafted two guards that are playing way over him or and are way better than him. You know, it's like man, man's not, not great. lying. The man is not lying. Um, all right. Nick's one with Obi Toppin, and, and we're over the moon that he was still there doing backflips. They were so excited to draft Obi Toppin. 
Yeah, um, and he's a nice. He's been a nice rotation player the last couple of years. But I mean, if you're doing backflips in the lottery, I would hope the guy's starting by his third season. He's a backup power forward who's an offense first power forward. Might be the least value position now in the league. <laughs> he's an offense only power forward. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's not it, this this if you. Like there's obviously a lot of consternation in New York about the Knicks kind of being on a treadmill and being stuck in the middle right now. And they're not really sure what they're going to do, especially after they did trade for Donovan Mitchell, even though I think we all agree at the time. I would still say it wasn't worth trading every pick they have to get Donovan Mitchell. This is the move, I think, if you want to kill the Knicks under the Leon Rose administration, this is the move you kill him for. You had Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halberton sitting there. You want to use the CAA thing, both CAA guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And they take Obi Toppin. They don't take Tyrese Halliburton. You put Tyrese Halliburton on this Knicks team, things look a lot different. And well, instead, you wouldn't have had to spend got, 100 million on Jalen Brunson. You could have used that 100 million elsewhere. Or you could have him and Jalen Brunson. You could play them together. Like, yeah. I mean, that would be a nice, that'd be a really nice pairing. And instead, you know, they've got Obi Toppin, who's fine, but is a, you know, a rotation, you know, probably second, you know, probably an off the bench scoring big. Like it's just, there's just not a lot of value in that. And the other guy's going to be probably be an all-star. Like that's, that's a real Who, Halliburton. Point. Dude, he's an all-star. There's no probably. Well, I have, I just haven't gone through and like listed out the players, but like he's, he's leading the league in assists. Per, he's I know. Had a three game stretch with 40 assists and no turnovers. I, I agree. I think he's a stud. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. My, obviously my point is simply that if you want to come after the Knicks about what they've done over this run, this is to me the one you can really zero in on and say they yeah. completely misevaluated this pick. And that really is going to hurt them long term. Well, the thing about it is you keep saying it's all these teams who just passed on Halliburton. A number of these players are not working out. Like, you know, if any of these teams that picked Halliburton would be better, but like it's, you know, it's not like there were other players that were complete misses. So. Yeah, because they uh, all Wizards missed on took... the one good player who was in this stretch. <laughs> There's another pretty Wizards good player took... in the stretch. Well, we're getting to him. Wizards took Denny Avdia, who I actually talked about earlier this week on the last pod about how he's developed into a um, pretty decent defensive player, but mm-hmm. not you know the type of lottery pick you're hoping for. No, he's right. he's been fine. I mean, he's a you know a combo forward who can do some stuff. He's fine. But but again, it's it. It's a lesser version of the Congo situation, right? Like, you—he's a fine player. He'll be a fine rotation player, but it's just not what you. It's not. He's, he doesn't pales in comparison to the other guy. Doesn't put the ball in the basket a whole lot, right? Yeah. So the Suns took uh, to Jalen Jalen Smith, who we also talked about earlier this week on the pod. Uh, didn't pick up his third year option and traded him. Um, this now, was the other real disaster too. Well. The Suns have taken, if the Suns take Halliburton here, it's, it's unfair. <laughs> it's unfair. They might have won. I mean, me? look, you could, you could make a pretty good argument if they just draft Tyrese Halliburton, they win the title two years ago because he would have been playing over Cameron Payne in the finals against the Bucs, and they were close to winning that series. They have a little bit better guard play in that series. They very well win it. Like, it's, it was that close, you know. And you talk about a succession plan for Chris Paul, Tyrese Halbert and Devin Booker yeah. for the next 10 oh, years look pretty damn good. Holy. Uh, okay, so Spurs took Devin Vassell with the number 11th pick. Nice and... nice player. Has a chance to be 
good. You know, in, well, he's in having three, a good year this year. He is. I think he could be really good. Yeah. This is the one pick in all these picks that if I if you're going back and looking at it, I think you can make this is the one pick where I think you could say this it was all right for them to not take Caliburton because the cell yeah, is really improving. He's a wing player who can play at both ends. Like he's got a potential to be a really good player. Yeah. The Spurs have two guys on the roster right now who you can see being starters on a good team. He's one Kelton Johnson's the other. I'm, I'm talking about a good team when they are ready to be. Yeah, for sure. Years. Absolutely. Yeah. So they've, the way they've, you know, dumped some players on their roster with, uh, you know, dumping some of their guards, they cleared out space for him to play. He's playing 33 minutes. He's starting. I think he's out with injury right now. I think he's uh, maybe he's back. Um, anyway, he's averaging 21 points a game and shooting 42% on threes. They, they loved him from the start. They were happy do you, to have Do you him. mean to tell me you didn't lock into Spurs Thunder with Shea sitting out last night? That wasn't the, the top game in your rotation? Thunder. I'm not allowed to watch Oh, that's right. Games. You're you're in the NBA Bermuda Triangle. The of, Golden, the of, Golden of City on the, yeah, the Golden City on the Hill because blacked out from 97% of the NBA. <laughs> if 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 Chet Holmgren was playing, I would have um, used the streams that are not illegal streams, but there's something available to reporters where you can watch. I would have tapped into that, but right now I just want to have righteous indignation. I'll stick with that for this season. Um but no, I wouldn't have watched even if I had access to it. Uh, also, when I'm on the road, I have no problem. I can watch when I'm on the road. Uh, okay, so 12. Who the Kings take? I can't remember. <laughs> took, a, took a certain Sabonis. guy, Tyrese Halliburton, who's no longer on their team anymore. <laughs> right. Um, well, the, 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 the thing about the Tyrese Halliburton trade decision, and I have obviously talked in this pod about how I value Demodis Sabonis. But no, you're my a <laughs> My the reason I value Sabonis is uh, the thing about the trade is Buddy Heald was in the trade. I I'm not taking a position on the actual trade. The Pacers won the trade. My position was people were were crapping on Sabonis as if he was a you know a it wasn't salary it, but it wasn't player. about crapping on Sabonis. It was about dude. You have yeah like, it was. There were a lot of people be, crapping. On okay, Sabonis. I know. It was more about you're a year and a half into a home run of a draft pick. Like how you got to get a, a guy who I think is going to be a several time all-star late in the lottery. Dude, you're less than halfway through his rookie deal and you give him up. God, that I just, come on, man. Here, well, I, here's the me... problem. Here's the problem with this trade beyond what we've talked about in the past. The Kings didn't just, the Kings picked De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell over Halliburton and Davion Mitchell, who got a guy who there were people thought was a young Mark. He could still be, but people saw him as like a young Marcus smart. That's the type of player that they thought they had here. And he, in his sophomore season, he's had so far, he's had a major regression. He is not starting. He is Mike Brown has slashed his minutes, his mm. offensive output, although he was not a high efficient player last year, his offensive output has cratered along with it. Here, I think, is the real issue with the trade. Obviously, Ben is right about the contract difference between the players, regardless of his bonus's age. The real issue to me is goes back to what I said about Obi Toppin before. I think you can make if you look at where the NBA is today. 
an offense first power forward is probably the least valuable position in the league in terms of trying to build a team that's going to be a contending team because you have to have so many pieces fit around that guy to be a successful high level team. And the the Kings turned a really good young lead guard into an offense first power forward who's already on his second contract. Demonis Sabonis is a very good player. He's a very talented player. But if you're trying to construct a team that's going to contend in today's NBA, that archetype of player is just not a guy that's on those teams now. You look at the really good teams, that player doesn't exist on them. That's why, you know, there's been there's a reason that John Collins has been in trade discussions for three years. And Julius <laughs> Randle has been in discussions for three years. It's not that those guys are bad players. It's that they're awkward fits with the way the league is now. And yeah. so and, those, and then those you, kind of players on good teams are probably six men. Yeah. And know. then on top of that, you throw Buddy Heald in the trade who I, now we're talking about, you know, there's been all this talk for weeks and months, right? Are the Lakers going to give up a first two first round picks for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald? So you add that value in on top of it. That's why the trade really, to me, was such a disaster from the Kings standpoint. It's not that Demonis Sabonis is a bad player. It's just, to me, it's misevaluating where the league is going and what value is. Yeah, the, like, the, the Lakers can really use a good big, like maybe the guy who put up 31 and 29 on Miles Turner the other night. Oh, wait, they had him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, so is really the, the message here that the, the, the believing in Wiseman without having enough, you know, five-on-five five data was a mistake? And then everybody else passing on Halliburton was a mistake. Is that is pretty, that pretty much pr- the takeaway? Pretty this? much, and we and we give the Spurs a pass because they did at least find a, a good player to love. Well, and I also do think it's worth pointing out, like the draft is very hard, right? Like, oh my god, it's, it's I'm not, not saying I could do better. No, but I but I mean it is like especially after dumping on all these teams, like it it, it this it, if everybody knew how the draft was going to play out like obviously things would look way different every year right like it's it's far from an exact science on any front but you look in particular at this draft and with how many of these players in the top 10 in particular are not even starting level players mm-hmm. that's what makes it so painful like if there was a this was a top 10 where you had you know like last year right like there's a whole bunch of guys you could look at it and say, oh, this guy's really good. This guy's really good. This guy's really good. Like, hey, all right. Like, we at least got a starter out of it. Like, Devin Vassell's a good example. He's going to be a, a good to very good wing player in the NBA at two at both ends. That's a really valuable player. If there were three or four of those guys interspersed through the top 10, like, all right. Then you could look at it and say, all right, maybe you didn't get Tyus Halbert, but you got this guy. Instead, you're looking at a bunch of guys that are bench players or worse. And then this guy's turned into an all-star. When everybody well, was look debating the- whether we are going to draft him, that's where it looks really bad real quick let's look at the back half of this draft because this is one of the reasons is why... a good word by the way <laughs> I, I try but um the back half of this draft is almost the exact opposite there's players so, so sure the are. thunder traded up to get um uh poku alexi pokashevsky who oh, is like kind of... he's like, he, he can get that pronunciation right <laughs> I'm a big Thunder viewer of all the games I'm not allowed to watch. Um, uh, Sadiq Bay went 19 in a, tra- a draft night trade. He ended up with the Pistons. Sadiq Hold Bay, on. you just is, skipped. O- you just skipped over Josh Green, who actually is. I was going to say Josh Green's a player having a very encouraging third year for the Mavericks. Sure and, is, and, and they've gotten killed on that pick 
uh, because he's not Tyrese Maxson, he's not Desmond Bain, uh, and because it was the Donnie Nelson uh, didn't get to make the pick, he would have picked Bay. Bob That's Bulgaris why I was pick. skipping it because I didn't want to get into the whole well, but he's a, unknown. But he's drama. a he's a good player. He, he is a good player. He's he's finally you know yeah okay so Josh Green also in a desirable position same mm-hmm. with Sadiq Bay um, the Heat draft Precious Achua at twenty who has proven to be a quality big sure and yeah. was solid player was part of the package that got them Kyle Lowry yeah then. Tyrese Maxey, who I, I don't remember if you listed the five players you think you're going to get Max's. Yeah. No, he man, Tim I, included them in him. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I put him um, in the Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero. If he doesn't get Max, it'll be that range. It'll be near. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a different conversation. Um, <laughs> but a hell of a with, pick at 21, to say the least. Oh, yes, a great pick. And then they, they you know, a year in were... Um, uh, you know, cautious, you know, didn't want to give him up for uh, Kyle Lowry and, you know, the, in that possible trade. And that, you know, was, has been affirmed, although we'll never know what would happen. Wouldn't, wouldn't give year. him up in the James Harden deal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. To their credit. Um, so, yeah, some other guys who were picked in here. Um, Manuel quickly had a really good rookie he's year. A good, he's another good player. Phoenix. Yes. Uh, has been a little bit stuck in a log jam uh but uh i think has a good future but taking 25th that kind of production 25th really good 28th pick Jaden mcdaniels great pick by the lakers well he was he was picked by the lakers but he was already a wolf on uh mm-hmm. uh the thunder actually i think had the pick and then yeah then was, traded that, that, there were there were all sorts of there were that there were like a hundred different trades there. Ricky Rubio was I involved did, in trades there. Was, yeah, I did investigate it. Even though the Lakers drafted him, it was the Wolves who made the call to bake the pick at 28th. It wasn't like the Lakers picked him and then later tried to trade him or right. the Thunder. Um, but he's obviously look 6'10 combo forward, like uh highly desirable. And then of course Desmond Bain at 30, who mm-hmm. is gonna get paid. Yeah, Peyton um, Pritchard's a rotation player too for Boston. Yeah, pay, yeah, I, I'm sort of skip, you know we're long in the pod here. I'm sort of trying to speed it up, but yeah, Peyton Pritchard's a rotation player and a guy who's in the final team was in the finals. Look, some of these guys at the front here, uh, they would kill for Peyton Pritchard. Uh, you know, um, so a very interesting draft, um, getting more interesting by the day, and definitely. Another reminder, we've had many reminders over the years about the uncertainty of drafting in the league. And um, here we have it again. So keep an um, eye on those Santa Cruz Warriors. Can you get them in Omaha? <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh, you can stop here. We have terrific uh, facilities here. So, all right. Thank you to Bon Temps. Thank you to our producers. Uh, thank you to uh, McMahon. And uh, thanks to all the listeners. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.